Hello, I'm, I'm live. Thanks for tuning in. So today I've come up with a Rebel Alliance game plan and it's probably not particularly visible to you but I can see it and I will talk us through it because as you might have noticed the US Constitution suffered a severe blow to the head when a whole bunch of Republican senators last week, some of whom admitted that the evidence showed Trump had committed the acts of misconduct that he was accused of, uh, but that they were still, still going to fail to impeach him. They were going to vote to acquit Trump uh, because they just didn't like the idea of impeachment or rather they didn't like the idea of being yelled at by Trump supporters who have been hyped up to be quite, quite violent uh, by Fox News, by Breitbart, by various extremist uh, conservative media outlets that get a lot more airtime than you might think. Uh, because there are some alliances in play right now and they're alliances of corrupt corporate interests, fossil fuel investors, etc., cetera, uh, including the biggest fossil fuel investor in the world, Vladimir Putin, who derives a lot of profit uh, and steals a lot of money from Russian citizens uh, through scraping the profits off oil, gas companies in, operated in Russia so that he reputedly has $200 billion in net worth. So it's important to remember that for all of these people, they don't want democratic governments in power because democratic governments might bend to the will of the people in terms of wanting a future, a future that their children can continue to exist in, a future that is not riven with significant famine, drought, fires, floods, etc. So there's a lot of uh, powerful enemies that are against our ability to live down the future. Let's call them the short term gratification alliance. Hey, that's useful because we want to position ourselves as the responsible adults. The trouble with climate change science is for people who don't have that intellectual buy-in, who haven't been educated on how it works, for whom the convenient truths are so much more palatable, I mean, sorry, the convenient lies are so much more palatable, to pretend that it's okay to delay action, that it's okay to ignore the problem, to pretend that it's too costly to deal with and just not worth it, then climate change action advocates would sound whiny and ungrateful, ungrateful for modern civilization. And I saw a meme the other day saying, gratitude is the foundation of all virtue. So yeah, if we're coming across as ungrateful, then no wonder people are finding it hard to recognize where the responsible adults actually lie on this issue. They think the people who say, oh, it's very important to be civil and calm and responsible are the people acting responsibly. They're not. They're just the people who have learned to hide their incredible devotion to their own -term short term gratification in a cloak of respectability because it also they can also avail themselves of the cloak of, of white Christian dominance and claim to be the moral guardians because white Christian dominionists do a lot of that, claiming to be the guardians of the social fabric and the guardians of morality. 
who else if not white Christians will be there telling us to keep it in our pants and not have confusingly diluted relationships, etc.? Who are the guardians of loyalty and family, etc.? Well, that can still be us. It's very important for us to say we are the guardians of families and we're the guardians of um, our children's future because it's irresponsible to ignore the evidence of the present and the scientific analysis of our best and brightest thinkers and to skirt over all of that and say, keep, keep subsidizing oil, keep subsidizing gas to the tunes of billions of dollars in public expenditure at a global level. So let's get up some figures about exactly how much the public uh, is forced to spend on a type of energy source that uh, is hastening our own collective demise. Let's have a look. Uh, public subsidies, fossil fuels. Does anybody want me to specifically look at America? Oh, wow. Forbes is saying US, United States spends 10 times more on fossil fuel subsidies than on education. So I will just bring that up for you guys so you can see that as well. Yes, somebody's noting that President Trump's proposed budget shows huge cuts for education, Medicaid, um, Social Security, systems of payment that Americans have spent their lives contributing into uh, as deductions made from their income. So they're talking about robbing from you uh, tax refunds, essentially. Tax refunds at a large sense. All right. So who can see this? Let's have a look. I can make it a bit bigger. You can probably see the headline. I could make it fill the screen. My apologies for the ads. Uh, the fossil fuel lobby has actively worked in many countries to protect their subsidies and to avoid the imposition of coal taxes, of carbon taxes. Doing so protects their profits. Wow, the US spend on these subsidies even in 2015 is more than the country's defense budget and 10 times the federal spending for education. So how much exactly? $5.2 trillion was spent globally on fossil fuel subsidies in 2017. Despite nations worldwide committing to a reduction in carbon emissions and implementing renewable energy through the Paris Agreement, the International Monetary Fund's findings expose how fossil fuels continue to receive huge amounts of taxpayer funding. The report explains that fossil fuels account for 85% of all global subsidies and that they remain largely attached to domestic policy. Had the nations reduced subsidies in a way to create efficient fossil fuel pricing in 2015, the International Monetary Fund believes that it would have lowered global carbon emissions by 28% and fossil fuel air pollution deaths by 46% and increased government revenue by 3.8% of GDP. So I feel like I should be, what I'll do first of all is copy and paste that into here. Hi DJ. 
and oh it didn't work out completely maybe I can make this a little bit bigger can anybody read that writing from where they are does that make sense now you won't be able to read it okay but I still think that's a very underreported on fact that the International Monetary Fund thinks government revenue would have increased by 3.8% of GDP for any countries that had gone about things in this way. How many trillion was that again? Let's have a look. 5.2 trillion spent globally on fossil fuel subsidies. The study includes the negative externalities caused by fossil fuels that society has to pay for, not, not reflected in their actual costs. So the indirect costs of pollution, such as healthcare costs and climate change adaptation. So that sounds like a good study. There are people, there are thinkers involved in addressing this problem. We just need to have uh, leaders in place who take this issue seriously, who aren't complicit in the fossil fuel alliance, the global fossil fuel alliance that puts all of these bad faith actors, what did I call them before? I call them the short-term gratification alliance. Yes, climate has changed for 4.5 billion years and it hasn't supported uh, human life for 4.5 billion years. I don't know how long you think we've been around, uh, but if you don't know about human beings, we need a certain temperature range to function uh, to maintain homeostasis, which is the conditions needed for bodily viability amongst human beings. And humanity is under threat from a rise in temperatures that puts our human agricultural crops in harm's way from increased temperature. Corn crops are less productive. Rice crops have increasingly less nutritional value when temperatures increase. So people who advocate for delaying climate action or people who advocate for no climate change action at all <coughs> are essentially mesmerized into a death cult. Oh, let's get rid of the troll chaps. I don't. <coughs> are they a real person or are they a, an algorithm prompted by climate change terminology to just introduce, interject uh, nonsensical arguments in order to wear out the patience of good faith in information sharers like myself? So maybe we could just block that person. Um, yes, because the test of Tolerance is not to say how, how many of us can you kill uh, as a test to see how we continue to tolerate climate change denialism. Uh, the test is to see how quickly we will allow ourselves to be shackled by your interference, your willful ignorance and your bad faith destructiveness. Thanks, DJ. Much obliged. So I'm reading out loud to you now from a board behind me that says Rebel Alliance game plan, voter registration drives, uh, oppose voter, voter suppression and advocate for media diet supplements 
So maybe we can't stop watching people from uh, watching Fox News. We can't stop Fox viewers from watching Fox News. But we can uh, advocate that they watch one other source, that they broaden their media diet even a little bit to expose themselves to uh, factual information. Although it's hard, maybe we just need to find picking one point for somebody who we know would be affected by the Trump budget. Not that the Trump budget will be able to pass the House of Representatives, but it is good that he's come out with a value statement for what he believes in. He believes in uh, hurting Americans, uh, in ramping up that narrative that poverty is essentially a moral failing and poor people should be punished, uh, which is an economically savage uh, and destructive approach to take because removing a safety net from modern societies means... Uh, people who are the losers from that arrangement have no chance to lift themselves up, have no chance to increase their own productivity and prosperity. And people who have fallen inadvertently into poverty are very capable of lifting themselves out when given an opportunity to not starve to death, when given an opportunity to have some help keeping, keeping a roof over their heads in the hard times. Uh, Yes, the Republicans and many conservative-minded people in America continue to buy rhetoric that says, if you fail, you should stay down and no one should help you up because otherwise we are rewarding failure. That's the rewarding failure and encouraging failure. That is the underlying ethos of Republicans who want to pay less tax and want everybody to subscribe to those ideas that poor people should be left to die. Non-wealthy people should be left to die. Elderly people should be left to die. Good point, Champagne. And, and people with disabilities. Whereas really, it's actually very economically beneficial when societies become more inclusive, allow women to access the workforce, um, help people, help families with poverty, afflicted by poverty, not starve to death, uh, able, enable them to attend community college and increase their qualifications and their employability. So, what can we do? Ah, the final point on my little board up on the wall says amplify outliers. So I saw a Twitter post that said it can't be underestimated how much, um, how much it affects the narrative, when you have outliers like Mitt Romney, just imagine being a Republican, trying to explain to yourself that just all of these people are, or having to continually do that mental effort to, to rationalize why Mitt Romney and Joe Walsh and all conservative people have stood up to say Donald Trump is a threat and a threat to American national security. So... People can keep saying, oh, yeah, they're all wrong and they all have weird motivations, but it would take a, it'll take an emotional toll on them. That's our effort to suppress the Republican vote. Keep pointing out to them people in their own party, in their own gang of allegiances uh, who, who dare speak out against Trump. So while there are still people who speak out against Trump, we should be amplifying their voices big time, not just staying in our Democratic left-leaning circle jerk, but uh, being out there trying to tell other people, 
Mitt Romney said Donald Trump was a criminal. Joe Walsh said Trump was a threat to America. Um, and they're not... Even John Bolton said that Trump uh, did the wrong thing in relation to Ukraine, that he was part, was aware of a shadow State Department policy of extorting Ukraine using American taxpayer funds to improperly interfere in the 2020 election by extorting the president of Ukraine on pain of uh, withholding military aid that would be needed to save the lives of the people he led in order to help him um, frame, set up, confect evidence about Joe Biden. Isn't it always the case that the most villainous activity in movies is when the villain threatens not just the life of the person, but threatens the life of the people that that person is in charge of, threaten the loved ones. So when the Ukrainian prime minister was threatened, his people were threatened because withholding military aid was like saying, which of, which of these people do you want to die before you will agree to do this corrupt thing that I'm asking you to do in secret? Uh, we don't have to persuade all the Republicans, but we have to help tell the story to Republican-leaning independents who may still have some intellectual ability that's not compromised by cult thinking. And it's a challenge on the rest of us to not give up in our energy, to be indefatigable, remembering that we are in charge of others. If you're an adult, then you're in charge of perhaps children, you're part of your community, you, you have a role. And... It's not okay to lie down and start drinking and say, I throw up my hands, this is all too difficult. Democracy is difficult. I will briefly, for encouragement, read out. Oh, I haven't seen any um, comments lately. Ah, yes, there we go. Uh, I'm going to read out a thread from a writer and lawyer called Terry Canefield. All right. Because her post is important. All right, I'm making it a little bit bigger. And then we'll go like this. Uh, add to stream. Do, do, do. Nope, wrong one. Okay, share screen with a Twitter thread. Let's do that. Terry Canefield, very important writer, does a lot of reading and research about fascism and how to overcome it. Okay, so Terry writes, it's never too late. The question is how much pain must be suffered along the way until people come together to do what needs to be done. What needs to be done, you ask? Well, looking at how countries fought off authoritarianism offers lessons. So two writers of the book How Democracies Die point out that Trump could have and should have been stopped in 2016 if key GOP leaders had refused to endorse him and had instead backed Clinton. So there is precedent for such behaviour. And we'll click on this and have a look. 
In 2016, Austrian Conservatives backed Green Party candidate Alexander van der Bellen to prevent the election of far-right radical Norbert Hofer. And in 2017, defeated French Conservative candidate called on his partisans to vote for centre-left candidate Emmanuel Macron to keep far-right candidate Marine Le Pen out of power. In both these cases, right-wing politicians endorsed ideological rivals, angering much of their party base, but redirecting substantial numbers of their voters to keep extremists out of power. All of this stuff that uh, Bernie could have done in 2016, but instead, two days before the election, he was tweeting out, I don't think it's racist or sexist for people to support Donald Trump. So issuing his followers a permission slip to vote for Trump if they wanted to believe Trump's promises of fixing everything, free health care for everybody, etc., etc. Bernie basically sent them all gullible and aggrieved of his supporters over to vote for Trump in the hope that Trump would be terrible enough to increase their commitment to vote for Bernie Sanders in the 2020 primaries and the 2020 election. So we've learned, yes, that almost all that matters to GOP elected officials, or most of them, is keeping power. So Terry makes this point that I'm agreeing with here. Please don't underestimate the value of Joe Walsh at Walsh Freedom, saying he would endorse the Democratic candidate, the whoever is the nominee. And Bill Crystal saying, not, not forever, not perhaps even for a day after November the 3rd, 2020, not on every issue or in every way until then. But for the time being, one has to say, we are all Democrats now. So that's, that's beautiful because that's what happened when the Republican Party abandoned democracy and abandoned their duty and abandoned their oath to serve America and their specific impeachment trial oath to deliberate and deliver impartial justice. So if enough elected Republican leaders had the integrity to say that, we'd, we wouldn't be under fascist leadership or the US wouldn't be under fascist leadership. So elected leaders are afraid of Trump, although not necessarily just Trump, but afraid of Trump voters and their fervor and their devotion to Trumpism. Uh, so one way Terry suggests to, to change the system is through massive voter registration drives. Elected officials know how to read those numbers. And Terry has a list for things to get started. Maybe we should open that link in a new tab. And we'll quickly cover what she tells us about Chile, which is when Pinochet, General Pinochet, came to power through a military coup, uh, which Terry's husband apparently lived through as well. And it was made worse because of a complete breakdown in trust between Chile's major political parties, as well as the US being involved. Chile was bitterly divided and the parties hated each other. So even after Pinochet installed himself as a dictator, the distrust persisted, eclipsing their shared revulsion to, towards Pinochet's dictatorship. Political leaders from opposing parties couldn't even bear to speak to each other. After five years of an oppressive dictator, the opposing parties started talking. 
Eventually, they rebuilt trust. By 1985, the anti-Pinochet forces came together and signed a national accord for a transition to a full democracy. Awesome. So staring into the abyss of a brutal dictatorship, well, really living through that abyss. They were in the abyss, Pinochet's goons threw people from helicopters uh, who were their political opponents. Fearful that another Pinochet would rise, the elected leaders developed a practice of informal cooperation that they called democracy of agreements. How is the gym, honey? Can I have a sip of your drink? You finished? No. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Ugh. Um, all right. Uh, Harvested Beats is concerned that Bloomberg is going to surpass Bernie. Oh, yes. I'm happy with Bloomberg surpassing Bernie as long as he doesn't get the leadership. But the good thing about Bloomberg is he has promised to devote the same financial resources to whoever is the Democratic nominee. Not concerned. Yes, at least Bloomberg is better than Bernie. Happy. <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm happy too that Bloomberg's surpassing Bernie, just to undermine Bernie, but I don't like it when he takes Biden's support because uh, African-American voters support Biden and Biden is a good candidate with broad support. He's not perfect, uh, but if he picks Kamala Harris as a running mate, then it really would be excellent for turnout. Uh, and people turn out for historic issues. Voting in the first African-American president did amazing things for turnout. Uh, similarly, the first uh, African-American female vice president would also help to excite turnout. And an American needs that. We need to swarm the vote. That's a good hashtag. Uh, Bloomberg Warren. Hmm. Yep, still, still a combination that doesn't excite African-American turnout. Dems can't afford to take black voters for granted. They make up a sizable and reliable proportion of the Democratic voting base. Uh, people might not have noticed this, but white people don't reliably vote for a Democratic leader when the Republican leader is promising to entrench white demographic dominance. They, 52% of white women voted for Trump and those figures have lessened, but uh, yes, Harris did try to come at Joe Biden, but he could still pick her. He said even after that, that he admired her greatly, that she should have any role she would accept in, a, in an administration, including the role of the vice president. So it's not okay to take them for granted. It's not okay to ignore that Bloomberg, there's audio tape of him describing how all criminals uh, primarily fall into the mold of 18 to 25 year old men from minority groups. There's audio of Bloomberg saying that and it's, it's not a promising uh, opening salvo for a presidential candidate. Why people keep, people, well, People keep saying that, Harris for AG, because they like Harris. And we can see how significant an AG is when the AG is a criminal like Bill Barr. 
But it's not okay to keep saying Harris for AG when she could potentially be the vice president, which is a far more powerful and influential role. Um, I think from what I've seen on Twitter, a lot of African-American people find that very offensive and that she's already turned down um, the attorney general role. But I've said it myself before, so I'm not, I don't mean to sound critical or dismissive, just uh, I, I do think we need to move past calling that out. We need to be campaigning very vigorously for Harris for a vice presidential role as an acknowledgement of the importance of having black people in offices of power. Uh, so yes, there's been a significant transfer of support from black Americans from Biden to Bloomberg, but at the same time, Biden is still leading the nomination race. I better go. Um, I think my husband would like to use this area for work and I've contributed, I think, everything that I'm capable of contributing today. I urge you to... Actually, one, one last thing I can do for you before I go is I will... Okay, looking for the names of the four prosecutors that stood up on principle. And we should be saying their names out loud. We should be celebrating them because what's likely to happen is that they'll be smeared on Fox News. The propaganda support machine that is Murdoch Media will go all out to try and frame everything as a deep state conspiracy. So just to shield their viewers from the reality of Republican corruption... They'll keep misreporting the facts to them and they'll keep lying to them about what's happening. They were all in. As somebody memorably said the day before yesterday, they will ride this thing until the wheels come off. And by this thing, I mean Trump brand fascism. Uh, fascism is just a type of democracy off the wheels. It needs a democracy to be instituted in the first place. Four, four. Oh, yes, you're saying one prosecutor quit the actual whole department and four of them resigned from the Roger Stone case. Yes, so the good I find in this terrible, terrible day is that the more people that stand up, the more people that defy Trump, that make a sacrifice out of principle, make a sacrifice to support justice, to support the operation of a state that has rule of law and not a corrupted system of favours for Trump and his associates. Uh, anybody who stands up for principle today is to be cherished and followed and celebrated and talked about because that is the only way to break through the, uh, the shadow of creeping authoritarianism because that corrupts when you realise all you need to be successful is to be friends with Donald Trump and just look the other way as he buries whatever bodies he needs to bury in the garden, whatever he, whoever he needs to install in the Treasury Department to cover up evidence of financial crimes. Trump's financial crimes involve money laundering, which is to say involve facilitating crimes such as drug trafficking, human trafficking, uh, you know, raping, raping girls and women and boys uh, who have the misfortune to be picked up by Russian mafia or any type of organised 
criminal organisation in the world and subjugated to a life of terror and misery. Uh, money laundering, money launderers are the people who help make that um, business into a respectable source of profit. So, so yes, uh, I won't. I won't be on here long today. It's taken me too long to start broadcasting, but I was too busy absorbing all the news. Andrew Yang dropped out. Tom Steyer dropped out of the race. It's really hard because uh, I believe that Biden's candidacy is really important, that the voting preferences of the majority of black voters are really important, that they are in the blast radius of Trump's corruption and Trump's uh, white demographic dominance intentions. Now, Democrats often talk about, see, judges, judges are so important. But I didn't really understand in a visceral way about how important the judges are. I understood that Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court was Trump managing to take over another branch of, of government, um, the, the highest echelons of the judicial branch, with with a corrupt ally who would support Trump and find a way to say what, whatever was necessary to justify excusing and enabling not only Trump's crimes, but his ability to exploit hate, pre-existing levels of hate in the American community. So, so I understood that was a problem, but more broadly speaking, the problem with conservatives appointing judges is that they're not just conservative, they're racist and they don't support uh, black people having voting rights and they take steps to undo uh, access that P African Americans have to protections of their right to vote. Yes, Hispanic voters are important too. And I'm sorry if it seems that I'm ignoring them. I mean, white voters are important as well, but black voters are a reliable voting base for Democrats. And that is the important characteristic in overturning a Republican-installed fascist. Uh, and his Hispanic voters are still people of colour and they still have concerns about racism and, and white, um, white uh, nationalism and white supremacist dominance. But they're also more likely to be uh, religious, conservatively religious, in a more of a Catholic tradition and to potentially vote or support Republican candidates uh, out of a wish to preserve um, forced birth, uh, an anti-abortion motivation for voting. So yes, Hispanic voters are very important, but they're less reliably Democratic voters than black voters, which is why I concentrate. It's not a preference I have for the color black in itself. I'm talking about the political significance of a reliably Dem voting group that are also reliably oppressed and disenfranchised by Republican politicians who understand strategically the value of stopping black voters voting because they vote for Democratic candidates. Hello, hello, frequent listeners. Thanks for joining in. Uh, so let's have a look. I will share some things. So um, up to date about the prosecutors is that 
one thing that upset them, they were not told about the decision to intervene in Roger Stone's uh, sentencing recommendations until Fox News reported it uh, on Tuesday morning. Uh, Harvested Beats is pointing out that uh, Latino voters helped Beto get in the race. Yes, this is true. Uh, did Amy win in New Hampshire? Uh, how are the exit polls looking about that? Sadly, Biden is, is low in the exit polls because in many ways Trump's propaganda campaign has, is working. Uh, it takes determination to, to make it not work, to defend Hunter Biden, to not just let Republicans get away with whatever they can throw at the wall, uh, sticking. Yes, Biden wasn't up in the top winners. I know, he was something like 7% of the vote in New Hampshire. I'm still interested in the South Carolina race because it's less exclusively white. But Amy got a huge boost today because she performed well in the debates, I, I'm presuming. And it's nice to see that people who are... People who perform well in debates and, and account, acquit themselves well are rewarded that the people are paying attention. But at the same time, I think North Hampshire, um, North Hampshire? New Hampshire is possibly an outlier in the number of people who watch the democratic debates. Uh, I don't think there might be that high following of debates. So I don't know if Klobuchar's success in New Hampshire is replicable around the United States. Uh, so Klobuchar is quite, uh, quite conservative for a Democratic candidate. I think she supported quite a few of uh, Trump's conservative judge picks. Liz Warren is very popular with white educated people who uh, understand that America has lurched politically to the right, that Dems have been so following along on a model of making concessions to achieve victories, that the right have been able to take their determination to not make any concessions and pull that tug-of-war rope over to their side. Yes, so Klobuchar is centrist, but on a continuum of progressive to, to conservative, she's more towards the conservative side, which I guess, yes, accurately speaking, you would describe that as centrist. Warren is eating dinner with Biden right now, huh? That sounds interesting. I would love for Biden to be eating dinner with Kamala Harris. Um, so one thing I'd like to note that the criminal interference at the Justice Department by William Barr today, uh, and in response to a Trump tweet, how he communicates his intentions and his wishes, um, someone notes that it pales in comparison to the outright criminal conduct happening today at the Treasury Department. Uh, so Trump and the Deutsche Bank money laundering, Trump's tax returns and illegal Biden financial disclosures from the, from the Treasury. So the fact that the, tr the Treasury cooperated to reveal uh, Hunter Biden financial information but defied multiple court orders to, to reveal Donald Trump's tax information to the relevant oversight committees. I'm intending, I think, to rename my podcast 
Trump's, Trump's economy sucks. And to gather together in one place more of the information revealing how Trump's job figures are not as good as many in the media report, that it's underreported, that he's the corrected figures show um, that job performance has fallen under expectations, particularly given the amount of federal money injected into the situation, the $28 billion boost given to farmers, the tax cut given to businesses and corporations that was supposed to boost the economy. So, so what's your reaction to that title? Does that grab anybody? Uh, I just still want to, to run with it as a way not to disparage or diminish the American economy overall, but to, to highlight where Trump has an influence on the economy, the economy performs less well. The economy performs poorly. Uh, so Trump's, Trump, Trump's economy sucks to collect the information in one place about the manufacturing sector in recession, the spillover effects to the transport industry, to interview people at the coalface, as it were, of the negative effects that Trump has had on the economy. I'm just trying to do one thing creatively to counter uh, the propaganda effect of Fox News. So we talk about how people support Trump and it's unbelievable that they can overlook so much criminality but uh, Fox News viewers do not know that. Uh, that is a finely tuned propaganda machine to support a, an overthrow of government, an overthrow of democratic procedure, process, standards and norms um, and everybody suffers as a consequence but white wealthy people uh, may feel that they have enough insurance. I mean, Hitler initially allowed white Germans to, white non-Jewish Germans, to enjoy the spoils of robbing Jewish people, uh, to take their property, to, to benefit from, from their whatever accumulated assets and savings they had. And... Uh, It ultimately didn't save all Germans from sacrifice. Various German cities were, were bombed. Uh, engaging in a war with, with other nations. I mean, that's further down the track than America is, even though it's still quite likely that Trump will initiate war with Iran. He said to his supporters that war with Tehran is closer than people might think. So... Yes, let's look at more news. Um, I want to note that William Barr's daughter, Mary Daly, uh, who was appointed to a Treasury position despite not having any background experience in the Treasury and financial dealings. She's a lawyer, but yes, she was promoted in a surprising way. Uh, and she's on LinkedIn, now Senior Advisor to the Director at the Department of Treasury Financial Crimes Enforcement. So she's going to be there today doing a lot of work helping to cover up uh, for Trump's crimes, for money laundering crimes, and just never let it escape your mind what money laundering is. It's, it's making the proceeds of drug trafficking, human trafficking, sex crimes against children look respectable 
and be allowed to be passed through financial institutions. All right, let's... Um, I saw someone make a comment hoping that uh, the prosecutor who resigned his job at the Department of Justice takes evidence and documents with him, although that seems too much. Uh, what do we think of the prospects for impeaching William Barr? That would also have to pass through the Senate, wouldn't it? And the Republican Party are corrupted. So, yes, let's note that since Trump was acquitted by corrupt re Republican senators, um, other than Mitt Romney, two witnesses have been removed who testified against him. The twin brother of a witness who testified against him has also been summarily removed. He's pushed for prosecution of Bolton. Really? I missed that. He sent Giuliani in for more dirt. He's interfered in Roger Stone's sentencing and he's threatened prosecution of other enemies. So the descent into totalitarian systems is quite rapidly proceeding since uh, the senators voted to acquit Trump. Uh, I'd like to point out that Trump's State of the Union school voucher proposal would rob public schools of $5 billion. Uh, when they say we're promoting choice, typically they're working to defund public institutions and public systems because the overarching goals of conservatives and republicans for a few decades unfortunately has been to strip everything that requires collectivized funds so all public institutions can be degraded under republican rule public roads public schools etc um, they don't believe in the public good and people might not realize that all right, well, I might go now. So you're saying Trump is protected from prosecution, but Barr isn't. Well, who can prosecute the Attorney General? I, I'm not sure who would be in charge of doing something like that. Uh, but yes, I'm going to say goodbye. Take care, everybody. And uh, if you have any ideas for or people to interview for, for my renamed podcast, Trump's Economy Sucks, or if you have any feedback about that title, don't hesitate to let me know. Uh, yes. How are you doing today, Paul? I hope you're well. Paul, I don't understand your comment when you say he's 5,000 to go, House can impeach. What does that mean? So, oh, also in today's news, so four prosecutors resigned because of pressure in Roger Stone's sentencing. The Senate Republican Party blocked three bills, three bills today, to boost election security and prevent foreign election interference. Okay, now I understand. Mixed up two different comments. Okay. Ted Liu, Ted Liu, Congressman Ted Liu, advocates 
Um, says the Department of Justice has now stained its reputation. If you are at the Department of Justice and have the resources to resign, I hope you do so. So here we go. Congressman publicly advocating for people to resign from the Department of Justice. Um, it's important. It's important to not just quietly try and wait out fascism. There is a fascist hostile overthrow of all of the institutions of the United States government. I'm also interested in if maybe the Supreme Court justices would all resign, although that's bad, isn't it? We, we don't want the Supreme Court justices who are good to resign because they'll still pretend there's legitimacy. If they all resigned, if all of the, the five non-conservative justices... If Hello. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Hope you enjoy.